the volume. Oral Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. FanDuel is the best. They're America's number one sportsbook. It's so easy to use, safe and secure. What more do you need to hear here? There's fast payouts too, as quick as two hours. What a turnaround. And there's so many different bet types as well. as same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures. There's risk-free bets and the same game parlay bets, enhanced odds markets. There's so much more. It's fantastic. It will not let you down. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9889 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, Hopefully you guys enjoy what we put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, So anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear. But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure if you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best stuff here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. How are you doing? I am doing great considering all the factors that I rolled in the last two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It's moving is one of those things. I mean, when we were like moving out to Cincinnati, I was like, oh, this will be great. I've not moved in a long time. I forgot what a kick in the dick it is. Yes, it's a pain in the ass. Literally, it was uh, I had about two days to move and then I had to be on the road for four days. And it was on Thanksgiving out of all days. Oh my God. We were actually initially supposed to move on Thanksgiving too. And then uh, ended up having to like bump that up a couple of weeks. So it was at least spared the Thanksgiving week, but it's nuts. Okay. So you're outside Orlando. It's funny because when, uh, I mean, when I was working for WWE, of course, most wrestlers live in Florida. Uh, that is the spot to be. It's the hub. And we were living out in Las Vegas because we were sort of of the same mindset of like, oh, I don't want to like see everybody all the time. It's a lot. Do you run into people where you are now? No, I do not, uh, which is the best thing ever. Uh, I'm very, very private and very just uh, mind my own business type of a person. So before I actually moved to Orlando, um, I was out living in like Clearwater area because I like to be away from everybody. I like to have my privacy. I like to separate my wrestling from my personal life. So any way I can do that, even relocation is the best thing I can do for my life, for my own personal and mental stability, literally. You need like that sanity. It's funny. So when I, uh, I used to live in New York and I used to be on the same flight all the time as like all of the writers from WWE, like from, you know, everyone coming in from Stanford, flying out of LaGuardia or JFK or whatever. And yeah, you end up getting screwed on your seats as well because everybody else has the same status you have. So you end up getting bumped, you know, get that first class seat. Sucks. Hey, I don't, I'm just happy to be on a plane. Uh, I, I, I can care less about first class. Whatever you want to pay to get me on a plane, I'm good. Bro. I'm good. <laughs> you know what? I used to feel that way until I started having like panic attacks on planes. And I was like, um, I don't like being in the back anymore. And I felt so bougie about that because I don't care about that shit either. What freaks me out being on a plane 
is when everybody all stands up at once to get off the plane and you're stuck sitting there. I'm like, everyone get out of my way. <laughs> no, I sit on the aisle seat for that reason. So even if the next people that sit next to me, they stand up, I'm not standing up. I just put my feet in the aisle and I just stay seated. I'm like, you, you can't go. You're not going to go nowhere. Why even stand up? You're not going to go nowhere. Just sit your ass down and relax for a hot minute. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Hang on. Your time will come. I promise. Exactly. So how have you been? What's going on in the world of Mercedes Martinez? You know, after I got released, it's just really hitting the independent scene, literally four courses, almost like I never left. I haven't stopped since my 30-day no-compete clause ended, and it was just hit and running, and I haven't stopped. I literally, this is probably my only weekend free until the holidays, and then I'm back running again as if this is my full-time job. Um, you know, I'm just trying to balance uh, the difference of just staying home and dealing with the PC, you know, when I was signed compared to, you know, back to the independent life and figuring out where my life goes from here. And it's just it's it's not that it's a struggle. It's just a balance trying to figure it all out again. And I'm just giving myself time, taking it week by week. Do you find it hard? And this is something that I found for myself, at least like with my time in WWE, they tell you where you need to be, what you have to do. It all shows up on an app. It's easy to follow. And now that I'm in control of my own schedule, I'm the worst fucking boss I've ever had. <laughs> I'm trying to like get my own scheduling right. I'm trying not to double book myself. I'm like, oh my God, I need help with that. How are you with that? I've always been very good with it. Before I got signed with uh, WWE, I was working the two jobs and wrestling. So I was, I'm very organized, very pinpoint. I have a calendar. I know where things have to go. I know where things have to be. I know where I need to be. So I'm very organized and very in a routine in that aspect. Um, it just, now it's just wrestling and that's all I have to rely on right now. And it's just, it's about going back to that real life mentality of should I get a real life job uh, again, but I, and then I will. I think uh, in this point in my life, I have to think of stability. I have to think of the 401k, the health insurance, all that stuff that comes with it. And not that I didn't have it when I was employed with WWE. It's just it's a different mentality now. It's all right, let me just go back to what I've always been doing and just, you know, hustling and grinding like I've always had. So nothing really changes. It's just the pandemic kind of killed a lot of things and you kind of just stay home. And now it's just like, all right, not to move again. When do you think you're going to pull the trigger on that if you're going to go back to uh, to working another job? Uh, when independent wrestling does not pay my bills anymore. Fair enough. Yeah, right now. Right now it's paying my bills. And, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm very meticulous and I'm very frugal with my money. My money is safe. It's always been safe. I have my 401. I have my pension from my job before. I left it for WWE. So I'm already set in life when it comes to that. I just don't like being bored. I think that's what it comes down to. It's just being bored in my house, waiting to do stuff. I work out and then it's just being home. So it's just, I, I, I want to do something. Like I just, I hate being home. <laughs> what was the job that you were doing before WWE? So I worked two jobs. I worked as a manager at a Walmart, an overnight manager. And then I worked as customer support sales floor at a Home Depot. And then I go from one job, you know, working 12 hours to another job working five to six hours. And then on the weekends, it was just travel, travel, travel and come back home and ride back to work again. It was just it was just a routine that I was used to. And then, you know, when you get signed, it's just like everything stops. And you get, the, like you said, you get that ad and they tell you everything that goes and you're like, oh, OK, this is where I got to be. All right. I have four days off. OK, <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's a change again. Now I have to think back. Got to hustle and grind again and get back to that mode. And that's all it is right now. It's just an adjustment. Did you miss having that sort of grind again when you were with WWE? Was it weird to adjust to having everything so laid out for you? It wasn't that it was hard to adjust. I do miss it. I do miss the hustle and grind and the go, 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 go. Because I've always been like that. I think when I got signed with WWE, it was hustle and go for the first two months. And then the pandemic hit and everything just got, it was forced to stop. So it wasn't like anybody expected it. You know, I was forced to stop. I was forced to just not go, go, go. And then your mind changes. And it's it's mindfuck. It really is. It, it really just messed with my mind to just be home and do nothing when you just got signed. They gave us the option for me, especially, do you want to opt out or do you want to keep working? And I just opted out. I was like, you know what? I've never stopped before, ever. And, you know, 15 plus years, I've never just stopped. Let me just take this time to stop. And I was going through a lot of stuff personally. So I was like, well, this is my time to deal with everything and anything that's in the world and come back to WWE when I'm ready. It's weird. I find like hitting that pause button. Cause like you said, I mean, 
you know, even with my time in WWE, which was like, you know, over eight years, but you're used to being on the road every week, you're different flights, you're in different towns, you've got all these places to be that to hit that pause button and like, just figure out what it is that you want and what you want to do it like that shit like shakes you to the core a little bit of like, what am I doing? What am I doing with my time? I mean, that's when I came to the conclusion that I just didn't want to do, you know, work at WWE anymore was essentially during that time. And so, I mean, obviously there was other factors involved in that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it was just having everything slowed down because it's, it's hard to get off that ride. And I think it's the same and, you know, it will be the same, obviously for independent wrestling. It's like on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, there's no perfect time to really slow down. It's yeah. It shakes you for sure. It definitely does. I think throughout my whole career, if I needed time, I just took the time. Um, I always put my mental and my health first before anything. So if I needed a mental break from independent wrestling and the two jobs and just hustle and go, I will take it. I'd be like, just no bookings for a month or two. And then I'll hit it back running because you need that time. You also have to think of your personal life. Like you have to put that first too. you. Have, there's a balance. So I've always said that wrestling will always be here. It's not going to go anywhere, but your health and your safety, mental and physically, you have to take care of that to continue to wrestle. So I've always, always just took the time off if I needed it, whether, you know, the bookings didn't matter because I had a real job. It was just a matter of just balance. And, you know, I, I was married at the time. So I had to put my marriage as well on top of things. You know, I had my, my child, so I had to make sure that he was taken care of. So it, it is a really big balance and, and just people don't realize that wrestling is always going to be here. You got to find that balance. And if you can't find that balance, that's where people kind of fuck up and just like, wow, what am I going to do? They rely so much on wrestling, but wrestling is not the end of it all. It really isn't. If this is your passion, just find that balance that you can take the time off that you need and then just hit it running. When you come back, when you are ready, when you can put 150% in it, then you know, it's time to go. But when you can't just stop for a hot minute, relax, take care of your life and then go back at it. And people just need to find that balance. How was it for you dipping your toes back in the independent circuit? Uh, the world is now blasted wide open. There's a million places to be so many different shows. How was that for you to resubmerge yourself into that? I felt nervous to be honest. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause it was almost like, will people book me? Will people want me? It's, it's, I know I'm coming off this big high and this big hype. Um, are people going to pay me? Are they going to be like, now nah, we can't pay you. Like it's, it was a whole big mind fucking. I was like, all right. And then when the bookings came in, people kept asking, I'm like, all right, let me just go, go, go. It is a total trip. With WWE, I didn't have a chance to be with all the, the crowds except for the beginning. But damn it, kid, and then you're just working with no crowd. So it's, I was in that mode. And then the moment that like I got into the independent scene, my first show was a sold out crowd of over 500 people. And then it just escalated from there. And I was just like, man, this is what I miss. I miss the interaction. I miss the butterflies. I miss the, you know, the nervousness when you get out through the curtain. I really miss the locker room the most. That's what I miss. Not to say that WWE didn't give me colleagues. It's just different when you hustle for, you know, 20 years and you made all this friendships and stuff and those people are not with you on your ride. They're still behind you. You kind of go back to them like, hey, I'm still here with y'all. I don't think I would ever go back to a big company like that. I just, I wouldn't. I think just the independence is where I belong. And I think if any company is going to have me, I still want to be able to have the freedom to go back to my humble beginnings because that's where you start. The humble beginnings is what breaks you. And I, and I live for it. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I've seen my husband do the same thing where it's like, he likes to get in and do that nitty gritty stuff that he, you know, you can't do on some of those bigger stages. And, uh, and that's the thing that kind of scratches the itch for him. So, I mean, I get it from, from seeing him go through a bunch of that. What was your experience at WWE from being signed there to being a part of NXT? I mean, we'll go through the whole run of things, but, but just like the initial deal of you going in there and signing a contract after uh, doing May Young. I felt like I was a rookie. <laughs> I really did. Considering I've been in this business 20 years, but to be in a locker room and be actually contracted, it was a whole new thing. It was from the May Young. I knew how the inner workings worked. I mean, I, I've been an extra and I, I've been with WWE on and off, not with a contract, just constantly with them throughout my career. But this was different. This was me going to work. And it was like, where do I go? Where do I put my stuff? It felt like I just didn't know what I was. It literally felt like I was walking in my first day of school. Like, okay, what do I do here? <laughs> and that's what it felt like. It was like, I didn't have a locker yet. I'm like, so where do I put my stuff, guys? What a weird feeling that is. I remember that being, yeah, you're just like, what do I do? Where do I go? I always give credit to uh, 
to Vicky Guerrero. She was the first person where I was like, am I allowed to go in the locker room? She's like, you can bring your stuff in here. I have no idea where I was going or what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. It was like, all right, I've been here before. I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm not an extra talent this time. This time, this is this is where I belong. So what do I do now? Do I still, I, I just, it was a my, it was just crazy. I was like, okay, totally Mike Dumbs. Hey, can I put this here? And it was just like, yeah, yeah, you can do that there. That's where your stuff belongs. Okay, cool, things. Now what do I do? What time does everything? It literally felt like I was going back to school for like the first day what was some of the stuff that you felt like you had to adjust to or ask for advice on was it more of like the the tv side of things and like or just like how nxt operates what were the things that you found to be hard to adjust to more of the training schedule the tv stuff I was used to because I was used to doing tv um it wasn't new for me the cameras and all that 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 was easy to do it was more or less the training schedules getting up at seven o'clock in the morning to bump in the ring was crazy but your day is done by like 11 o'clock with the gym and the training. And I'm just like, man, and then you have this whole day free. Um, so that was a mind trip on itself because I'm not used to that. Going in, it was something different for me. I didn't have to train every day. And what people don't realize is that, yeah, I've been in business 20 years, but I wanted to. I wanted to be there. I wanted to train. I wanted to have the whole NXT experience of the PC. Um, not that it was required of me because it wasn't. Um, they knew that I can bump. They knew that I can train. They knew that I was going to do my own gym stuff. It was more or less, I wanted to come and I wanted to be here. So put me in a group, put me in the training. Like, where do I go? Where do I go? So it was me always constantly calling coach and saying, Hey, uh, can I come to your gym class today? Because I'm bored. I need to, I need to train. He'd be like, yeah, just show up. I'm like, okay. So it, it was literally just like that. It was just kind of, if I wanted to be there, I would show up. I tried to make myself accessible and make myself feel the experience that everybody else was feeling. So I can kind of understand where they were coming from. I didn't want to feel like a superstar, let's put it that way. I really didn't want to come in and say, hey, I'm the veteran, but I'm the veteran in the Indies, but this is your house. Let me come and learn your style. Let me come and learn your ways so I can be acclimated to you guys. I'm very humble, very low key. Let me just be with you guys and build those relationships with everybody and learn your stuff and just take it all in. That's all I really wanted. And that's what I did at first. Well, I feel like that must have been something that would have gone pretty far with, um, you know, all the higher ups within WWE, seeing you put in that work when you didn't have to do that. Do you feel that that was uh, recognized in that way? I hope so. Um, uh, I didn't move to Orlando when I got signed initially. I was still over in Clearwater slash Largo area. So I was just showing up for TV only just because of, you know, my, my personal, like I said, I was married. I had a child. He was in school. I, my priorities were him. So I was just showing up just for TV days. Um, so if I could make it to the training centers, then I would. But I also, they also understood that I had a life that I can't just uproot like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of factors in. But when, you know, when that pandemic hit, it was almost like, let me just move. My marriage was falling apart. It's a known fact that I was going through a divorce. So that was my chance to say, let me pick up and let me just go to Orlando and put all my efforts into that. So during the pandemic, it was, I just moved to Orlando in the beginning of the pandemic, literally maybe three weeks in, everything gets shut down. And now I'm in a new city with nothing around, no child, no nothing. I was just like, all right, well, here we go. What did that do to you mentally to be going through that, to not be with your kid all the time, to be going through a divorce for in a pandemic, like talk about your world flipped upside down. It went from getting signed in January go, 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 living in Clearwater. And then all of a sudden, pandemic hit. I just moved to Orlando. And going through a divorce, my grandmother passed away. Everything just happened. When I say everything happened, it happened. In November of 2019, I was overseas, came back home. And it was like, all right, I just got signed. No one knows yet. And my marriage fell apart around that time. Then my grandmother passed away right after Christmas. And I had to go fly home to Connecticut deal with that. And literally when I flew home, dealt with that, came back, I had a report to the PC. And I wasn't even living in Orlando yet. I was still living over in Clearwater area. By the time I got my apartment, it was like February of 2020, been only with WWE for a month. My marriage fell apart. Didn't know when I was going to see my child. I was like, all right. And then pandemic hit in March. And it was just, everything just stopped. Mentally, I was fucked. It was, what do I do? So I, when I say the pandemic is a curse and a blessing, it was a curse for my career at that time, but it was a blessing because now I can deal with everything personally. I can deal with my emotions. I can deal with my breakup and, and the divorce and hopefully seeing my child through all this because he's immunocompromised. So we didn't know what was going on with all this. So I opted out 
because I'm immunocompromised. I'm vaccinated now, but I didn't know what, you know, COVID can do to me. I'm asthmatic. I need an inhaler and as well as a nebulizer if I can't breathe. So I'm, I, I'm on machine. And my son is the same way. He has to be on machines if need be for his breathing. So I opted out for about seven months. And for that seven months, it was just being home and just trying to figure out what to do uh, with everything. Trying to finish the divorce, trying to see my child, trying to figure out what WWE, trying to get training done because she couldn't train anywhere. I was a mess. <laughs> I was physically and mentally a mess until I figured out that I have to get my shit together because I can't hide anymore. Six, seven months is enough. WWE is calling me. Hey, when do you think you can come back? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'm going through a lot of shit right now. Like, it's a blessing. It's a curse. If you look at it this way, they want you to be on TV. But if you're not mentally ready for TV, you can't give them your all. And I was like, I'm just not ready mentally, physically, maybe, maybe I'm physically ready. But when you're mentally fucked and your whole world just fell apart, you don't know what to do. You don't know if you can perform at the level they want you to perform. And that's what I felt coming back. Uh, when I did come back, I felt like I wasn't ready, but I knew that for me to keep my job and to keep my spot, I had to go. And I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready when I came back, uh, probably what, September, October, maybe. I was just not ready. I was just going through the motions and doing what I had to do. And they understood that. But I think negatively, it affected my career in that aspect. And so I can get my shit together. I'm like, all right, now I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Um, but it, it was, it was a mindfuck. It really was. So was it going through all of those things that you just listed off? Is that what kind of happened with you saying that you did not want to be doing um, retribution anymore? So retribution was one of those opportunities, right? You, you want to get to the main monster. That was the thing. I was in the middle of a storyline with Rhea Ripley at that time. And they called me to Raw just to be extra. I was like, all right, so not only am I doing Raw and SmackDown, but I'm also doing NXT in a whole week. And that was just so much. I was like, all right. Boom, boom, boom. And then they're like, well, now we want you part of this retribution. Me in my head, I'm like, okay, I just finished my storyline with Rhea in our steel cage match. This is my opportunity. However, personally, I needed to know what this group was going to do. What is this group? What is the mentality of this group? Is this something personally that I can get behind? Um, no one knew anything about this group. Mind you, everything was going on in the world with, you know, the riots. So is this group part of that? Because I don't condone it. I don't want to be a part of something that may be mirror something outside of real life, right? So they didn't know what, what was going on. So I was like, all right, so just keep us hidden. That's what they did with the hoods and everything. I was like, all right, cool. The moment that we unveiled ourselves, it was one of those things where I was like, I, I just can't. I can't do this. I cannot mentally go through this group knowing that my whole career was based on me and doing things my way. It's okay to be part of a group, but it wasn't okay when there was no communication to talk to me about the group. It wasn't okay to let me know that you were going to change my name the day of without a contract. I was still on an NXT contract and I'm not stupid. I'm, I'm a grown ass woman. Talk to me. Don't tell me the day of the show that you're going to change my name. We didn't agree on that. We don't agree on anything. And, you know, if you want to do something, that's fine. But don't expect me to take it down lightly. I'm one of those people that if you talk to me, we can talk. I'm on an NXT contract. Here we are in Raw. I'm not part of Raw yet. Let's talk. Let's figure out what's going on. The moment that happened, I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to be a part of this group. There's no communication. I want to be known as Mercedes Martinez. That is what I built my legacy on. That is what I built my brand on. I don't want to be known as another name in WWE because my point to get here was based on me. You took me as me. You took me as Mercedes Martinez, not as another person. You can change me all you want, but I don't have a long shelf life. I'm 40 years old. There's no way that you're going to try to change a character and expect me to go five, 10 years. I mean, I probably can, but I had to think realistically. 20 years as Mercedes, there's just no way that I can go as another name, another character, anything. I can try. And like not a very good name. Let's just also <laughs> put that out there. <laughs> I mean, retaliation. I think people were kind of questioning all of the names that were going on with Retribution. Like, wait, what? But also weird, like I think I think specifically for you and Mia, like two women who have made their name on the independent circuit and then to lose that value by slapping on these kind of, you know, gimmicky names and whatnot just was a bit of a head scratcher. 
Yeah, it was just just talk to us, you know. I, I, I believe in communication, and I think maybe they had a lot of things going on. I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't want us. Maybe they did. I was like, okay, I could be a part of this, but I need to know communication. Like, I'm still, when are we going to talk about my contract? When are we going to talk about what's going into this raw contract? When are we going to talk about this name change? When are we going to talk about gear and clothes? Character. I had no clue what this character was going to be like. We're just dressed in black and we're just walking out there. What am I? Am I still going to be Mercedes character with a different name? Am I wearing a mask? I can't breathe in this mask. I can't work in a mask. I can't do this. Okay, you want to put me in a mask? Here, I got a face mask for my entrance. Use mine. It was the communication factor that threw me off. And, and not to say that people can't do it, just me personally. How do you think the suggestions and you not wanting to be a part of retribution was received to, I, I don't know who, was it like through Hunter that you had those conversations or Bruce Pritchard? Who are you having those conversations with? Bruce Pritchard was the one who told me that my name was changing right before we got on Veal. And I was just like, oh no, we can't do this. I spoke to Carano. Um, I spoke to Devon. I eventually called Matt Bloom. And just said, this is what I'm feeling. I'm not feeling this group. I don't want to be a part of this group. I don't think it's right for me and my career. I just think that it's best suited for someone who has a long shelf life or someone new who can build their career here, um, who has the shelf life. If this doesn't work, what are you going to do with me? I would rather just keep building on my Mercedes name. If that's okay, I would rather just stay in NXT. It's not about the money because it never is for me. It's really about just me and my legacy and what I've done for 20 years. And they all agreed. I was just like, you know, I- I'm good. Thank you for the opportunity. And when there's another opportunity for me to be Mercedes, hit me up. I'm still going to be here. And that's how we took it. So they took me two months off and they're like, yep, yeah, we agree. Everybody was on board. They talked to Vince. From what I understand, he understood where I was coming from. And they put me back on NXT. And it took about two months to kind of let everything clear. Uh, let everything try to figure out storylines. And then I was back on NXT and I hit it running from there. It was just like a reset, I guess you can say. I always find it so interesting, like how the creative stuff like that comes about. I mean, obviously being around it and hearing where certain things come and go, but I feel like the retribution stuff was happening as I was on my way out. So uh, yeah, I didn't get to uh, be around too much of that stuff when it was happening. Were there ever conversations about you being a coach at NXT? I feel like I heard that kind of floated around before you came in as a talent. It was. It came around more than once. Um, I did before I actually got signed. Uh, it was after the May Young Classic. I actually guest coached at the PC for a week. Um, I believe Serena Deeb, who was a coach at that time, I guess she was on vacation. So they brought me in as a guest coach. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. I'm going to be here for a week. And all I did was just kind of run the drills that I would do with my students or you know people that I was helping at another school. So I just ran through the drills and all that. They were very happy for the week that I was there. We tried to get me back another week. However, I was doing a lot of overseas tours. And when I say overseas, it was back to back. It was England, Canada, Australia, and it just kept going back to back. So I never got back to do my second week there. When I did get signed talking to Triple H, we always talked about that maybe when my contract ended or when it was nearing the end of the contract that maybe we can transition to coaching or health coaching or aging or something like that. So there was always something there. And I've always helped the girls. I've helped the girls, you know, in open ring and, and you know, I give them different things and, and the way I would see things. But it didn't work out like that for right now. I'm not going to say that I won't be back. I just think if I ever go back to WWE, it won't be as a talent. It's going to be helping the new generation, which is what I hope to do anyways in the long run. All right, Mercedes, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you pop up in uh, every promotion, wherever you want to wrestle, whoever. It's it's wide open right now. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Happy 20 years. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me about uh, the Impact Women's Division. What is it about their division that you are so drawn to and so proud to be a part of? Obviously, I'm very invested because when I joined this company, there was no women's division. And they they did draw me towards the division saying we would like to have a women's division one day. We just don't have the time for it, but that's what we're looking to. And I said, okay, great. And so I waited and waited. And it was like a year and a half. And everyone knows kind of the story in terms of the battle to make it happen. And um, I think some people don't know that I did try to resign <laughs> Once I got fired up, I was like, okay, I've been waiting a year and a half. And it was very hard for me to manage and watch all the guys doing what I loved while I was ringside. I knew what my talent was in the business and that's just wrestling, right? I wasn't like the promos or anything like that. 
So it's like, I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting my time. I don't know how much longer I can wait. But when I did try to resign, that's when things started to happen. And then a couple months later, they just brought in 10 women and a title. And it just kind of, you know what? I think the true key to the success was that they brought in all these women, but they didn't overthink it. They just kind of did everything very basic, the proper way, I think, for storytelling. And they almost left it alone in a sense. And that's what made it so great. And that all these women were passionate about wrestling and really wanted to prove themselves. Like I'm saying, right? It's a constant, we got to be as good as the guys. We got to prove that we can be on TV and do this as well. And they just ran with it and they've never stopped since then. So I'm really happy that they haven't. And through all the management changes that we've had throughout all the years, that's one thing that they haven't stopped. Thank God. And I'm, I'm so happy about that. And now it truly is a cornerstone of our company. You know, one of the things that people recognize. What was the conversation when you tried to resign? It was the biggest pay-per-view of the year and they had laid us all out and they said, okay, you're not coming to the biggest pay-per-view of the year. Plus I wasn't wrestling. I was like, oh gosh, what the hell's happening? Okay. I'm useless here. You know, in my mind back then, you guys got to remember some immaturity back then, of course, too. And so I sent in a fax. I'm showing my age, VHS. <laughs> this is amazing. A fax to the hotel <laughs> that they were staying at. Oh my God. The story I was told was that at the time, Bob Ryder, rest in peace, Bob Ryder, picked up the fax and gave it to Terry Taylor. Because Terry and Scott, I think, were in management at that time. And Terry or Scott, one of them tore it up. And then they called me and they're like, that's a breach of, you know, you can't, you can't just quit and resign. You're under contract. I don't think anyone knows this story, to be honest. It became like us. I'm like, well, I want to wrestle and uh, this. And they're like, well, you can't quit. You know, you're in a contract. But after that, they brought in one woman at a time just to test the waters. And then we did prove ourselves one match at a time. And then they brought in the the division. So sometimes I'm like, okay, did I act like a brat? But then sometimes I'm like, well, if I didn't fight that hard, it wouldn't have happened. It's always so funny how things like that happen. Like I'm like a big believer in sort of like the universe having your back in a way of like, yeah, if they had just let you resign and then all of a sudden you weren't able to be a part of that, you would have been like, furious to be like, wait, I've been here this whole time. And now there's all these women here. Um, I, I had a somewhat similar thing happen to me at WWE. I had asked for my release probably four years ago. And they were just like, no, thank you. You're going to keep working here. And I was like, what? You can do that? What the fuck? And it threw me for such a loop because they're like, no, there's things that we still want to do with you. And there's things that we want you here for. And at the time, I just didn't understand it because I was hanging around. I was doing backstage interviews. I was, you know, hosting kickoff shows and all that. But, you know, kind of same thing. I was like, I feel like I'm not doing the thing I should be doing. I should be doing more. And if I had have left at that time, I would not have been able to do commentary. I would have not have been able to do, I wouldn't have been able to do the show with Fox. There's so many different things that I would, would not have been able to do. So I'm happy that, uh, that they interfered at that time. Probably because you asked for your release though. Maybe. They're aware of unhappiness or being stale or whatever the but Like eagerness is. too of like, I want to do stuff. I'm not happy just being complacent and sitting back here and like- Complacent, that's the word. Complacent, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Catering's great and all. I love me some catering, but I don't want to sit back here all day. <laughs> I got shit to do. I want to do yes. some things. Um, for the women's division and impact, you guys are sitting pretty. Everything is looking great, but there's a lot of new names that are out there. Who would you like to see join the impact roster? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just want girls who, of course, are talented and passionate and all those things, but it's important to have a good locker room. It's so important for the girls to support each other and know you know, work for the business of the match for the company. And in the end, it benefits everyone, right? So people like Taya, Mia Yem, of course, was part of our family too. I would love for her to be able to really show who she is as her authentic self because she's really talented. And I'm curious about Ember Moon, yeah. of course. And now ROH has so many girls. I mean, I love Maria just as a leader as well in terms of the women's wrestling world. And because we have Mickey in our locker room now, and 
I just love that there's different types of girls in there that the girls can look up to, just be able to lean on or go to for advice. Because listen, in all realistic uh, situations, even though I'm a leader there, some girls may not feel comfortable to come to me for whatever reason it may be, whether they see me as too office. You know, that's why we need the Madisons, the Mickeys, the Marias, and the people who are in that locker room that they can turn to if they don't feel comfortable with other people. With uh, things on the WWE side, I mean, everything that you've been able to accomplish in wrestling and your time in WWE, were you ever um, bummed out that you didn't get to be a part of the Evolution pay-per-view or even like, you know, with some of the all-women's Royal Rumble, some of those moments of being able to to see some uh, former familiar faces make their way back down to the ring? I would love to talk about this right now because I feel like people have a perception of, obviously, I've been very vocal in the past in terms of my time in WWE. And that was all from a very honest place. And so I want people to understand now, okay, I still feel the same way in terms of the way I was treated, not how, okay, of course I wasn't happy with the way I was booked there. Cause I was there. I don't think I was there at the right time, to be honest. That must be a bit of a tough pill to swallow a bit, to be as talented as you are in the ring and feel like you didn't get to do that. Yeah. And I think I was there at the wrong times. Although I do think the second time I was there, they could have utilized me better. But now at this point in my life, you know, like I said, you know, you're younger and you think a certain way or you're very involved in that moment. I still am not happy with the way I was treated personally. In terms of booking and all that stuff, I can now say, I know I was there at the wrong time. I know maybe um, if those things didn't happen, I would never have left to go back to TNA Impact. And I would never have been able to have the awesome Kong stuff happen. But when I left WWE the second time, I came back and had those matches with Taryn, went on to now produce and have a great leadership role there. All those things wouldn't have happened if those things didn't happen at WWE. So I can see the good in that. I think I've cut emotionally in terms of you saying, do I wish I could have been part of those things? I kind of cut that part of my emotional system off. I don't even consider it a possibility in my mind. I never thought, okay, I don't think of being invited to anything because I've cut those ties and I'm okay with that. I did it back then. And I knew what I was doing back then when I left, I experienced that company twice. So I was very sure. And I still am very sure, you know, I mean, it's not like leadership has changed there in terms of how they perceive me or whatever it is. But I know the things I did wrong back then. And I think I'm a pretty realistic person. And I can, like I said, look back in hindsight and know the things that I probably thought in a wrong way. But I also am very firm in the way that I felt in terms of certain things where I was treated. Yeah. What about in terms of, of being vocal and being outspoken uh, about certain things? I mean, I've, I've seen like, you know, things on Twitter, if you want to jump on, I mean, how important is it for you to make sure that your voice is heard on certain issues and making sure that you're there to take a stance? Do you do that? I don't know. I'm assuming you are trying to protect a lot of other people by being the one to be vocal. I guess. Cause a lot of people don't feel like they can be vocal. And my personality is very feisty. It is, I know, but I will say with age, I am becoming more, a little bit more grounded. I reel it back in a little bit. Uh, there are moments, but when you push me, then you're going to see Gail come out and like her claws are coming out. And it's funny because I'll get a lot of from people I personally know and maybe just fans. They'll say, I love that feisty side. I love that. Please speak up and keep on doing that. And of course, you can't please everyone. And we're in a world of cancel culture, too. So you got to be a little bit more careful. And I would say I take that into consideration a lot more now. And my husband, of course, has a lot of big companies he works with too. And I take that into consideration. I'm now office within impact. So I got to take that <laughs> into consideration. Sometimes it's easier to just like log off, yeah. never mind, yeah. forget it. There's nothing worse than like putting out a tweet and you like wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, shit, should I not have sent that? <laughs> I haven't had that moment in a long time, but of course we all have those moments. And um, yeah, I would say that's a, battle at times. And I do think it's important to, if you really believe in something and you feel strongly, it's okay to use your voice. And listen, I wouldn't have been able to achieve a lot if I didn't use my voice. 
even though that might be the part of me that people might find annoying, but it's also the part of me that people actually like and admire, I guess. What about uh, the show Kayfabe that you were working on with Lita and Christy Hemi? You mentioned them earlier, mentioned your relationship with those women. Tell me about Kayfabe. I know Lita had uh, filled me in before just like an off podcast conversation, but tell me about it. We had all these months of like working, actually not even months, actually years of working on it, to be honest. And we started that PR tour and we got through one city and then COVID just like hit. And we didn't know what COVID was back then. So we're like, what do we do? What do we do? Do we go to the signing? Do we know? We canceled the signing the day of, and then we had to cancel the whole tour. And then we're like, we're going to come back to you guys in a couple months. And COVID's been around for years. And at that time, we we're just starting to take meetings. We took that one meeting. And then unfortunately, the scripted idea It's just very hard to happen now. So now we're still very bonded, the three of us. And it mainly is a project for women's wrestling, right? And so we've kind of now just gone in a different direction in terms of that. The concept of it, though, was that it was like scripted, but based off of stories that had maybe happened to other women in wrestling. Like what was like sort of like the general synopsis of what the show was supposed to be? Inspired. We should say inspired by true events. For legal reasons. Inspired. Yes, inspired by true events. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, women uh, or wrestling in general was always told through the lens of a man. It still is to this day. Always told through the lens of a man. Right. And so we wanted to do something different. Because women see things very differently in in wrestling. Fans loved it. They loved uh, Total Divas. And those were all reality shows, mind you. But they liked seeing another side of wrestling. And that's what we were trying to provide, you know, that entertainment through another lens. If you saw the sizzle reel, the production of it was very different. And we just wanted to modernize it and make it different. So we look at that whole experience as a huge, huge learning experience. And uh, yeah, we're going to move forward and nothing's ever going to stop. You know, we're all very passionate women. We're go-getters. And so we'll do it. I mean, it may not be kayfabe, that specific project that you saw, because over the years, things change. And with that, we have to change the concept or whatever it may be. Right. So we're still going to move forward. Um, Okay. Let's rewind things quite a bit here. What was it like for you growing up in Canada? Were you Toronto proper? Yes, right in Toronto. Nice. I loved it. I loved it. I hate winter now and the traffic is unbearable now. <laughs> I loved every part of Toronto. I love that I never experienced any type of racism growing up. It was just such this melting pot. And I love sports and I played everything and I was a good student. And I remember when I got signed with WWE, JR had told me, he's like, okay, we need you to move to Louisville, Kentucky, because that's where OVW was. And I remember being so devastated because I had only lived in this one city my whole life. And now I couldn't even imagine staying in one spot. I know, right? <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Totally. And I was like, oh my God, I have to leave Toronto? I'm going to die. Like, what's gonna, I can't survive. <laughs> and I remember packing up my car driving down to Louisville and feeling like this immense freedom. I don't know what it was. Um, Brand new start. I just loved it. Uh, I didn't love uh, living in Louisville because it's so different from Toronto right away. I can appreciate it now, but Toronto was just fun. When was the last time you got to go home? Christmas last year. Oh, that's nice. Damn, I'm so jealous. I've not been in too long now. I mean, I'm kind of within driving distance now. Got to get my baby a passport so I can take her across the border um, because she needs to know she's Canadian. Yes, she is exactly. a Canadian baby. One, <laughs> yeah, get your toque on. Yes. Put on your roots yeah. toque. Yeah. 100%. What do you miss the most about Canada? I mean, my friends and family, most of all. And then, of course, just the food scene. And I just remember going back. This sounds really weird, but. I went home for Christmas and we went to a supermarket, just the supermarkets alone. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how great the supermarkets are here. And I'm taking videos for my husband. Was it like a Loblaws? Because Loblaws are the shit. Loblaws is my personal favorite. All of them. I mean, I went to Chinese, Asian markets. I went to Loblaws. I went to uh, Sobeys. I went to everywhere. And I'm like taking videos for my husband. Look at the vegetables. <laughs> Look how uh, and fresh and packaged they are. You know, I am a weirdo. He must have loved that. We do this weird thing. I mean, I'm sure other couples do it, but we do it when we're apart. 
which is probably half the time we send pictures of everything we eat <laughs> to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do that out of shame. I'm like, don't look at what I'm eating. <laughs> but you love to cook though, right? I do. Oh my God. I love to cook. What is the cooking situation in your house? I'm sure everyone asks you this all the time, but I am like genuinely curious of like, what is it like being married to a professional chef, restaurateur? He does it all. I'll say at home, it makes no difference. I cook. Okay. He doesn't, there's very rare times that he'll cook. It took him eight months to cook for me when we started dating. And that's only because I was like, when are you going to cook for me? Yes. Because we were both traveling all the time. I was with WWE at the time. So one WrestleMania in Phoenix, he ended up renting a house so that we could have a kitchen so that we could cook. So that was nice. Um, And then there's been probably, I can count on two hands over 13 years. How many times he's cooked? You're getting ripped off, Gail. What? I'm not because the restaurant experiences, they balance them out, I will say. So you guys go out to eat more more often than not? We eat out a lot. But I want to tell everyone a misconception because people are watching this. Because a lot of the times we'll be like, so... We'll ask friends if they're from that city or locals. Hey, where do you like to go eat? And then they see Robert and they get all nervous and they're like, oh my God, we've got to give him five-star restaurant recommendations. And we're like, no, we just want good food, whatever it is. I have to tell the story on our honeymoon. The travel agent is a friend of ours who arranged everything. So she did all the Michelin star fancy. Where'd you guys go? Uh, We went to Greece. Did we go somewhere else? Greece? No, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, did we go to another city? Athens, Mykonos, and then Santorini. Oh, my God. It's always a dream. You have to go if you haven't been. It sounds amazing. Um, Looks amazing. So the first night we go to this fancy little place at this five-star place, and there's four tables and little bitty food, you know, the fancy thing. And I said, can we cancel all the reservations and just go local? And he's like, yeah, okay. So we cancel all the reservations. And that was the worst meal we had. I mean, (laughs) everything else was amazing. Where would you say is of all of the places you guys have been, what are like your top three restaurant experiences? Definitely one that sticks out is one time we went to Hawaii. We went to Spago in Maui and he was trying to impress me back then. (laughs) So it's like the good old days, the good old days. (laughs) Let's not, um, uh, order from the menu. Let's ask the chef to do tasting. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. So we did the tasting menu and that's basically where the chef comes out and makes what he wants and does little, little courses. But because we're in Maui, the fish was so fresh and it was probably the best dining experience I've ever had. Um, other places, I'm trying to remember. I mean, have been in locations like Santorini, just local places that just have, you know, Greece, obviously it's just no preservatives and just fresh, right? I mean, I died over eating an apple over there. Robert always tells a story about how we walked into the honeymoon suite and there was a basket of fruit. And I was like, wow. And I don't eat fruit that often. I was like, wow, that apple looks really good. And he's like, okay. And so I was like, I just have to eat it. And I took one bite and he, he's like, oh, you just had an orgasm. <laughs> that apple is the best apple I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. Does John cook at home? Oh my God. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So yes and no, I shouldn't say no. So he has started cooking a little bit more. I think with like us having the baby and we're moving, like we just move, like there's so much going on in our house all the time that I just feel like I don't have time to cook anymore. So sometimes he's like, I've got it. I'll cook something. And I'm always just kind of like, what's he gonna bring me? Like the other day I went to just make like a tuna melt and I didn't have tuna. There was like salmon. I was like, it just tastes weird. I don't want it. He's like, I'm gonna make you something. I'm like, okay. He like made me toast, but- put on like he just doesn't know any better but there was like a, a a fruit preserve that was in the fridge but it was like meant for like a charcuterie tray so it had like a spice to it it was like not actual jam I'm like I can't eat this <laughs> so there's some hits and misses hits and misses. he's gonna be so mad that he's gonna think that I'm burying his cooking I'm not but like he thinks outside the box though so sometimes he crushes it but sometimes I'm like what like I came downstairs, this was like years ago, but I came downstairs and he was like trying to cook mushrooms. He 
microwave them in the oven. They just like shriveled up and like got like tough. I was like, these are not edible anymore. Okay, let's talk about what he's good <laughs> at though. <laughs> he really puts together a great dessert situation, especially when I was pregnant. When I was pregnant, I was like, I, I just got like fruit obsessed. I wanted grapes. I wanted raspberries. So I'd be like, can you just please grab me some grapes? But it is never just here's the grapes. He would come back with like grapes covered in whipped cream, covered in sprinkles with like a little like mini Halloween candy sticking out of it. Like so above and beyond. I like that. <laughs> Great. I shouldn't be eating this, but you put in this hard work. So maybe I will eat it. So it hits and misses, but uh, the, the miss or the, the the hits are great. So he can keep those coming more than what Robert does. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have big plans for the holidays? Is it nuts around your house? This is the first time that we're doing nothing. I don't think. I mean, who knows? We're very spontaneous. We don't have kids. I mean, well, I have my stepgirls, but they're grown adults. One's married, right? So we don't have kids at home. Basically, Robert and I are not holiday people. I met my perfect match because. In every way, we like the same movies. He likes chick flicks. I'm so happy. <laughs> Score. <laughs> and we have never put up one decoration for any holiday in 13 years. And we're exactly the same way. We're like, do you want to do it? No. Okay. Okay, great. So this year, because of COVID, and of course, we try to plan everything last minute because that's how we are. It just didn't work out. So we're like, okay. We'll probably plan something spontaneously with maybe friends in the area or I don't know. We'll see. Ooh, well, I'll be uh, I'll be staying tuned to your like Instagram and your Twitter to see if you guys end up anywhere cool. See what happens. <laughs> well, Gail, thank you so much for taking the time. It was so nice to be able to like finally meet you and just like hang out and shoot the shit. I appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully in person with like all our mutual friends. I would Please. love that. That would be fantastic. I would love that. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the best of for oral sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full length episodes should you choose to do so. I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, we really do have the best guests come on here and hang out. And uh, I love being able to do that here on the show. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. You can go back and listen to more of the episodes. You can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page. You can just search Renee Paquette, search for the volume network, and you'll be able to find all the things. We've got the short clips. We've got the full length interviews. Find them all on there. Like, subscribe, share, turn on the notifications, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys next time on Oral Sessions. 